and blessings. I'm Lynette Cottrell, host of Women of Color in Business and founder of Savor Living, a mental wellness and self-care lifestyle brand that aims to make holistic self-care a part of everyday living. Women of Color in Business is sponsored by Savor Living. Savor Living produces a bold, beautiful, and holistic self-care box for individual purchase, subscription purchase, as well as servicing entrepreneurs and corporate wellness programs. Welcome everyone. Here on Women of Color in Business, you will find your tribe of brilliant and bold women of color entrepreneurs. Our goal is to expose you to the concept of being a brave, successful entrepreneur while prioritizing your wellness throughout your journey. On this podcast, I will interview fantastic women of color entrepreneurs in all stages of business. This platform will also provide you with mental health solutions, great meditations, affirmations, small step tools for creating great habits, and a whole lot more. Our total focus is to inspire and assist your success journey holistically in and wellness. Thank you for joining us today and choosing to learn and grow with us. Okay, well, good morning, Miss Kia. Good morning, how are you? Hope your day has started well. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. Yes, every day okay. you wake up is a good day. That's a good it start. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so I greatly appreciate and I'm gracious of your um, willingness to join me on this podcast. The purpose of um, women of color in business is to provide inspiration and also information to other women who are either in business, just getting started, or just thinking about getting in business. Um, being a business myself, I feel the need that it really helps to hear from other women who are going through either what you're experiencing or what you're afraid of going through. And it helps you to lay a landscape and be more willing and stronger going through that process. So thank you for helping us do this. <laughs> you're welcome. I'm happy to do it. Thank you. I'd like to get started by asking you to tell us about your business, you know, tell us your name, about the service mm -hmm. you provide, and the mission of your business. Okay, my name is Kia Akosua Sabia. My business is Serious Web Solutions, and we specialize in website development, digital archiving, and graphic design. Okay. And what would you say is the mission or the, the passion of your business? Well, we are a tech business, but anytime we take on a project, we think of ourselves as a part of our client's team. So our, our motto is like, your success is our success. Okay. So we, we take it on as if it's our own, put in 100%, make sure that the client is satisfied with the services that we provide. So it's more about helping people and helping communities which is something I'm very passionate about. And because of that, almost half of our clients are nonprofit organizations. So when we are able to help them with their web presence, with any kind of digital archive or anything technical that we could help them with, it gives them access and a broader reach, not just locally, nationally, but internationally. And so for that, our mission gets expanded into their mission. Okay, wonderful. So what led you to starting your business? What led you to be an entrepreneur? 
Well, it's something that I always had in the back of my mind ever since I was in elementary school. I was that child in class selling a little penny candy. And wow. if people didn't have money, we would trade toys and uh -huh. all kind of thing. So I had a little entrepreneurship spirit in, you know, within me since a young child. Uh -huh. um, when I did decide to go to college, um, I had to make a decision between music, which is a, one of my other passions, and computer science. And when my mother sent me to computer camp, this summer camp, I was nine years old, the Apple mm -hmm. IIe with those big floppy five and a half by seven discs. I was just amazed right. at this, what this <laughs> machine could do. There was no mouse, you know, just this <laughs> green screen with this little, you know, the, and I, I was bitten by the tech bug since that age when oh. computers were just on the scene. And so um, part of it was driven by, okay, this is where the future is going and I can make some money doing this as well. Mm -hmm. So I decided to major in computer science, but I was also in the band. So I still could, you know, pursue my passion of music while being in the Marching 100 at FAMU and the <laughs> symphonic band and the choir and all of that. So I fed that musical side of me, but still pursuing computer science. And mm -hmm. When I went into the work field after graduation, I worked for state government, and then I transitioned into the corporate world. But still in the back of my mind, I said, one day I want to do this for myself. Mm -hmm. um, the motivation of it came a little bit faster. You know, I had a five-year plan, 10-year plan, mm -hmm. but I had my daughter. Okay. And I would say my daughter was the motivation because... Um, just to be transparent, my boss at my former job, she almost made me choose, you know, during one of my evaluations, she's like, oh, I don't think the company is your first priority. You do work overtime, but you could work more. And I was like, well, no, you're correct. Um, God, my family, I'm a mother, that's a priority over the job, you know, mm -hmm. so the job yeah. serves a purpose. But I let her know, it's like, I can work overtime, but you need to give me enough notice because daycare, you know, I have to notify daycare, make accommodation for my child. Sometimes exactly. I will bring my, yeah, sometimes I'll bring my daughter with me on the weekends working. She's a toddler. She doesn't understand mommy's busy. So right. they just, and when she said, you know, it's not your priority, but I was like, okay, this is not going anywhere fast. I've never had complaints. Y'all giving me three raises in two years and you're still not satisfied with my mm, performance. Mm. And I had to, I took a leap of faith. I said, like, you know what? This isn't worth it. Um, I resigned because it was stressful. I was making a lot of money, but I wasn't enjoying it. And I was missing my daughter growing up ah. and, she, and she was worth the sacrifice. So that put me into the entrepreneurship field a little bit sooner than I expected. So 2004, I took that leap of faith. Um, while doing that, I was also getting my webmaster certification while I was in corporate because that's where technology was going. While I was in school, it really wasn't a thing. The internet was new. Uh -huh. Web programming wasn't being taught in schools yet because anytime they throw out a new language, they want to see if it's going to stick first before they mm. really start putting it into the curriculum. Gotcha. So by the time I graduated, they were just thinking about it. They might have had one HTML course. And a coworker of mine said, look, you might need to go back to school, get your webmaster certification, which I did at Florida State University. And that was the best decision ever because clearly <laughs> web yes. design is stuck. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so true. It has so that, that was the motivation to okay. become an entrepreneur, you know, an entrepreneur sooner because it right. gave me so much more time for my daughter. I could chaperone on field trips do all these things and adjust my schedule to accommodate her. So um, um, that's a decision. It, it was a little lean and defined as at time, but it was worth it. It was more rewarding because I see her now. She's about to graduate from college and wow. <laughs> the sacrifice was all worth it. Every, wow. every bit I, yeah. Yeah. I love that story. So you, <laughs> yeah. you chose your priorities and you did a lot of self-care. Yeah, you took, you took to. care of your your mental health, your emotional mm -hmm. health, and your spiritual health. Yeah, and making that leap into entrepreneurship. Oh, so yeah, I like so that. Important. I think I, I, we need to do that more often. We need to um, weigh the priorities and decide. Oh, yes. Yeah, choose yeah. how we want to live this life. And you chose, yeah. you know, 
you chose to be in sync with yourself. Yes. So that's beautiful oh, yeah. to see. <laughs> Wonderful. So how long mm -hmm. have you been in business? Um, 2004, I would say is the official <laughs> uh, start date because that's when I left corporate America. Oh, it's and almost 20 years. The, yes, it's yeah, almost. Next year, you'll be 20 years. Yes, nice, yes. Nice. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Yes. What would you say in getting your business started, what was your greatest challenge? Uh, discipline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it is um, so easy. You know, I was working out of my home, um, mm -hmm. so it's easy to relax. Uh -huh. um, it's easy to say, oh, I'll, you know, just relax. I'll do this. I'll go here. I'll do it. So mm -hmm. at first I had to give me a, a, a week or so just to transition and figure out what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. How am I going to do it? But being the Virgo that I am, I'm very organized. So it didn't take me that long to say, I got to set a schedule. How am I going to do this? How many hours I'm going to take a break, just like I do in corporate, take a lunch break, take a, you know. Um, of course, they always say you work harder for yourself than mm -hmm. others because sometimes, you know, you really don't clock out, you know what I mean? Right. You do, but, right. but, um, but the reality is if I don't work, I don't get paid. That's motivation to keep you right. working because, <laughs> you know, in the beginning, I didn't have a lot of systems or passive income at the time that, you know, every, every project that I pursued um, was a challenge. Um, the, all, the other challenge was deciding what type of entrepreneurship um, I wanted to approach. Did I want to go after government contracts? Did I want to go after nonprofits, look for RFPs, go for referrals? How did I want to market the business? So what I did, even though I minored in business, I would say that they focus more on managing business. I did get, you know, learn some marketing and accounting from my business minor. But as mm -hmm. far as entrepreneurship, it was kind of lacking. So mm -hmm. I took advantage of the Small Business Development Center. And I took a lot of their free courses, learning how to write a business plan, you know, marketing projections, doing the research. So they gave us homework to do. So those were very helpful. Um, then I found some business owners that I could just talk to and just pick mm. their brain uh -huh. and say, you know, what are your challenges in business? What, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. And um, I got a referral, you know, and letting people know this is what I'm doing now and convincing right. them that it's not a, a hobby. So uh -huh. that is also the challenge that right. sometimes people closest to you say, oh, that's cute. That's a nice uh -huh. like, no, for real. I'm really doing this. I'm doing this in business. Right. After they say, you left corporate to do what? I'm like, look, what good is the money if you can't enjoy it? I, it was right. too stressful, you know? Right. So that, and then um, I decided not to go the business loan route. Okay. Um, Partly because I knew it was hard as um, a woman of African descent approaching that. I did consider the Small Business Development Fund because they had SBA loans that, um, especially if you're minority or women certified. So I made uh -huh. sure to do that as well. Um, so those who want to pursue government contracts, having the, the minority or women-owned business certification is important. Mm -hmm. So at one time I was looking for, I registered for, you know, the government contract, did all the registrations, just so I got my bearings on what type of client I wanted to go after, who would be my target market. Gotcha. Um, so after the first referral, it was the John G. Riley Museum in Tallahassee, a friend of mine said, like, okay, I'm going to... I'm an intern there. They need a new website. Let's give you a chance. And so okay. um, with that, I was happy because that organization, the museum had a name. It was established. And once you get one good established client, that's proof of concept and you do well, and then you can name drop and then others would follow. Oh. Um, so that, but I know... Um, as far as other challenges, just budgeting, you know, money, because when you step out there, you still need money to survive right. and you need money to run the business. Mm -hmm. So I did, um, in the meantime, do like little part-time OPS technical things okay, just to make sure my major bills were paid gotcha. because the, coming out the gate, the money is not going to come right in unless you mm -hmm. get some kind of investor or business loan that'll hold down the business. But I decided, no, I'm just going to bootstrap it. Okay. And make it a slow organic growth. So okay. um, 
it was some ebbs and flows in business. I had to learn what are my slow seasons and what are the peak seasons and kind of make sure that I save enough money in the high seasons to ride out the slow seasons. But now those seasons are becoming less and less a wide gap. Oh, and geez. so um, as we get more clients and more business, so there's really not a slow, slow season anymore. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm to the point where I have to take a break and I tell my clients, well, we're going on vacation. <laughs> for a few weeks if you have any requests we will check for any emergencies but okay. projects will resume so I'm, I'm i'm grateful that we're at that point where we have to say no we need to take a break right <laughs> right right so but definitely the challenge was the finances the challenge of uh the business can't grow but so far, which is me by myself. So I learned that through um, Andrew Morrison with his small business boot camp. He was okay. like, list all the things you have to do for your business to be successful. Think of people that you can trust who can help you manage that or you can outsource because you can't do everything. Your business can't go but so far. It's just you. Mm -hmm. So that's when he convinced me. That's like, okay, maybe I need to get some independent contractors, bring some more people on the team. And it was the best decision I ever made. So, cause the business was able to grow a little bit and I didn't have to do everything, you know, ah. I got, yeah, got an accountant, another woman in business uh, mm -hmm. located in Tallahassee, Everlasting Touch, giving her a shout out. She's doing my taxes, <laughs> <laughs> been doing it all this time because I used to do my taxes and then business taxes got to be too much. So she was a woman in business. Um, and I've been working with her ever since. So that was part of my team, even though you know, your team doesn't necessarily have to be an employee or right. an independent contract. There's people who support different aspects of your business mm -hmm. just to keep it moving. So she's my go-to person in regards to taxes and things. So, okay. Yeah. Wonderful. So a lot of challenges, a lot of lessons, but hey, you know, <laughs> it, it, it made me a better business person and there's always lessons to learn every day. Okay. Yeah. Great. So you said you forewent the um, business loan process in the beginning. So were you working off of your savings in the meantime until you, you got, okay, income? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, the funny thing with the, when I left corporate, they did give me severance, even though I resigned. So part of it was like, they kind of I wouldn't say regret, <laughs> you know, pushing, pushing me in a corner and forcing right. me to make that decision. But they gave me a little severance pay. Um, I did have some in savings, but um, that soon started to dwindle and I had right. to make some decisions because <laughs> right. I was like, okay, I need to do some things. And so, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much what I did. Okay. Okay. So is there anything you wish you knew when you started that you had to learn the hard way? Thinking about um, women that are like starting a business this week, is there anything that you went through that you wish you had more information that you had to learn the hard way instead? Well, I'll go back to the two things, the finances and delegating responsibility. Okay. Um, what I did learn the hard way with uh, I would say this, if you have enough savings, you, you have to do the projections or a budget of your, for your business, just to see what you would need to get started. If you didn't make any money for six to 12 months, how much money would you need to keep the business afloat? That can be your starting point of this is how much money I need to either save or borrow. If you have enough time to save it and weren't like myself pushing a cord and had to make a quick decision, because I could have went back out there and applied for another job. Right. But I took that as a lesson of if I don't do it now, I'll be in another job. I might, it may be a better situation. It may be worse. But at the end of the day, I still won't have the time I want for my daughter. Right. So I was like, nah, let's just do it. Um, it was risky. My family thought I was like, what? what <laughs> you know right. what are you doing you leaving that good money because you know we come uh -huh. from the generation of you get that one job you stay there and you retire forever <laughs> you yes. Know? yes yes you stay there no matter what you ride out the hard exactly. times you got you your benefits you mm -hmm. do yeah and I was like nah I'm not gonna stress myself out and then my right. child resents me because I'm never here for you know mm -hmm. so so um 
definitely if you have time to say, oh, in two, three years, I want to start a business. Find out what you're going to need to run it for at least a year. Save that money if you don't want to go to business loan. Depending on what type of business you have, because with, with the technology business, as long as I have my computer and the necessary software, I can kind of move. Mm -hmm. But if I'm selling a tangible item um, that needs capital to bring on inventory and things like that, that's a different situation right. because you can't move your business without your inventory. Mm -hmm. So you're going to need to have that capital for that. Um, a line of credit would be good. Some kind of revolving line of credit if you don't want to go on a business loan. Mm -hmm. That's an option. The last resort would be a credit card because the interest rates are so high. Try to, you know, that would be the last last resort. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely make sure your finances are in order. Um, if you have a supportive family, go there first and they can invest into your business if they have mm -hmm. the means to invest mm -hmm. family and friends. If they do, put it in writing put in the contract, whatever the agreement is. Yes, it's family, but in order for them to take you seriously and to feel confident they'll get their money back, put it in writing just to say, mm -hmm. no, I'm serious. You let me this much money, I will pay you back with this much interest here, the terms of it, just like you would a bank. Mm -hmm. um, and then some family will be like, no, we believe in you. We're going to give it to you. We just want to see you succeed. Mm -hmm. that would be wonderful right you know, right yeah so I would say find all those venues first before getting a loan because no matter if you make money or not they're going to want their payment every month that's just right. the reality right um the other thing with delegating res uh, responsibility I learned the hard way um Finding people that are not only good at what they do, but you trust them that you don't have to micromanage all the time. Mm. Um, I tried when I first started, I tried uh, like internships with college students. I had a virtual assistant. She was great, but hers. But the reality, when you're working with college students, their education comes first. So right. you can rely on them, but to a point and mm -hmm. you have to be mindful that their schedule will change. And there are some, I had some good experiences with college students and some that weren't so good. Mm -hmm. um, finding people who will be an integral part of your team, at least in the tech field for myself, I made sure that when I brought somebody on that we both had the same skill set. Because if they dropped the ball, I would need to jump in and make sure the project gets done. Mm -hmm. So I would not add on a service to my business where the other person or another contractor, someone, they're the only one who knows it gotcha. because it, there have been instances and I went through a couple of independent contractors and there are some interesting stories behind that, <laughs> um, that um, the deadlines were, well, hey, the deadline's tomorrow. Did you finish? And I had to stay up late, 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 late doing their mm -hmm. part. Mm -hmm. Just imagine if I didn't know how to do their part. Right. Stuck and it falls on me because it's my business, not on them. Mm -hmm. You know, so it makes me and my business look bad. So that's one thing I made sure that if I'm going to bring on another service, if I'm not willing to learn it and bring someone in to support, then it's not worth risking that um, be because the day will come. You know, mm -hmm. we all drop the ball at some point. Emergencies happen, right. health issues, family, you know. So I, I just didn't want to get stuck in that type of corner. At least in the tech field, that can be a challenge. If you're doing other things with tangible items and you're just selling or reselling, yeah, you know, not so much of a issue to, to have overlapping skill sets. Got you, got you. Have you ever used, when you talk about using subcontact tractors, have you ever used services like Fiverr? No. Are they all personally known to you? Yeah, personally known. Um, when the outsourcing and freelancing became, you know, came on the scene, a lot of my colleagues would say, oh, I got this person in India and this and that. And I'm like, that's all well and good, but you take a chance. My philosophy is if something goes wrong, I want to be able to get my hands on you legally, that is. <laughs> You know, it's like if something goes wrong and I need to take legal recourse, I want to be able to do that. If I was to use one of those services, it, I would make sure they're U.S.-based um, because if they're somewhere in another country, even though the dollar may be, you know, stronger as far as the exchange rate and you pay less, mm -hmm. you're taking a chance. 
Um, the only way I would do that is if someone has used them extensively, they've been mm. vetted and someone had, you know, they come highly referred and they've had no issues. But I um, only use people that um, one of my former co-workers mm -hmm. helps out on some of the projects. Um, a relative of one of my clients was like, oh, my niece, she just finished school, blah, blah, blah. She's looking for this opportunity and she knows about computers and it. You know, so people that I even either knew personally, went to school with, um, I've worked with them because I know them, I know their skill set. Um, I didn't have to go through the interview process. Um, I did look into, you know, freelancing. Mm -hmm. I signed up just to see what was mm -hmm. out there and but I never pushed it, you know, pushed that button to say, okay, let me work with you. I, I I've been I would say I've been grateful that I didn't have to go there, that mm -hmm. there were enough people in my circle or the circle of my circle right. that I, I was able to get some some decent people. Some of them worked out, some of them didn't, but the two that are still on board with me, you know, we, we've been working together for a few years now. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's nice mm -hmm. to hear that perspective yeah. from you. Yeah. So when you think about business mentors, do you think um, business mentors are a necessary element for an entrepreneur? And do you have any business mentors? I wouldn't say business mentor in the formal sense of the word, but there are people um, in business that I started just picking their brains that mm -hmm. I knew. Um, I did um, when I was living in Tallahassee, joined the local chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. um, so they provided opportunities for us to get together and network. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the first business people that I started picking their brain, um, they owned this furniture store in Tallahassee called Beds and More. Mm -hmm. um, one of the few Black-owned furniture stores and um, the one of the co-owners was a co-worker. So they had like two full-time people, but he was still working his full-time job. And he came in after work and on the weekends. And I was like, you own that furniture store? So of course, when, I, <laughs> when I'm all about supporting Black-owned businesses, I was like, I'm getting all my furniture from y'all now. Uh -huh. you know? But I would, I would pick their brain and ask questions. And they was like, hey, you know what? We need a website. Are you doing it? You know, so when I transitioned, right. um, when I stopped working at the state, I kept in touch because I say, hey, I want to learn about business. So between that, the Small Business De um, Development Center, and then when I joined the uh, Small Business Boot Camp with Andrew Morrison, which was very resourceful, I got to talk with other business owners who were also in the boot camp. So we got to share best practices, give advice, um, even work with each other um, after we got out of the boot camp because he said, do not work with each other while you're in the boot camp because if something goes wrong, I don't need no issues. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so after the boot camp was over, sometimes people kept in touch. Okay. But I wouldn't say a formal mentor, well, you know, we meet every month or meet every week, but I, I'm always taking the opportunity just to talk um, and network, you know, going to different conferences you know, like Black Tech Week and things like that. So right. those are also important as well. Okay. So you spoke mm -hmm. about the Andrew Morrison Bootcamp. Tell us a little about that. Is that, because that's my first time hearing about it. So is it something that's ongoing or? Yeah, he's, um, it was in the, let me see, early 2000s. Okay. And he kept that going for a number of years. I know that, um, let me see. He transitioned to working with youth in business, teens in business. He's up in New York. Okay. Um, he got his start because um, before diversity marketing was a thing, he was the diversity marketing person. He was even featured on Oprah okay. Winfrey show. Uh -huh. And he was a young man of African descent at the, you know, young at the time. But mm -hmm. he um, was working with these companies to say, you need to change your marketing to attract a diverse more diverse audience not only that diversify your team because a diverse team you have a better option of having diverse ideas and thinking out of the box and 
Um, so he kind of laid the groundwork where a lot of agencies grew out of this, and that's their thing now of diversity marketing. You know, right, right. So that that was his his uh, claim to fame in the beginning. And he decided to transition and help smaller businesses. He's like, I work with corporate businesses all the time, but our smaller businesses, there's some things that he learned that he wanted to share through the small business boot camp. And so now I know recently he's been focusing on teens and business up in, you know, he lives in New York, I think he's still up there. So every now and then I'll, you know, on his mailing list and see what he's doing. But uh, he, he was very instrumental in helping me to learn how to delegate responsibility. That was the nice. key thing I learned from him. Nice, nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay, so what would you say have changed in your business or your industry recently and have you addressed that change if it affected you in any way? <laughs> yeah, um, I think the biggest thing that affected it is good and bad. I wouldn't say good and bad. There are pros and cons to this change. Um, before, all websites were custom coded. Mm -hmm. If you didn't know how to code, you were not getting any kind of website. Right. Um, what has happened now, they have these hybrid tools and these website builders. So now mm -hmm. you can go on Wix or Square or Square Up and all this. Anyone can put some things together and boom, right. you have a website. Right. But one thing that I learned when I went and got my webmaster certification, there are web standards that you have to know. That's almost like... Important things like ADA compliancy, um, things like how to fix your content in regards to the amount of text. Um, so there are just certain standards that only someone who is certified or went to school for website development would know because there's a certain structure you have to follow, mm -hmm. even with the navigation, the three-click rule, you know, how not to get to make something user-friendly. Mm. Um, something simple as, oh, when you have an external link, make sure it opens outside the window, not inside, and you lose your webs. So there are certain standards that are getting lost because mm -hmm. of these quick, anyone can build it, website builder sites. Mm -hmm. But So it affected web designers because everyone's going to try and do it themselves. And I had some clients say, oh, I'm going to try this. And then they come back like, oh, I need some help because I can't make this do what I wanted to do. Right, right. So... So we still have a place because I would say the good thing about those website builders is those that do not have the budget, they can get some kind of web presence out there. So mm -hmm. it gives more room and access to those on a, on a lower budget. But I say that's a good step um, just to get, you, get the word out. Gotcha. But if you want to take it to the next level, I would say get a professional to build the website after you've done the website builder. And those who have the budget, they straight, you know, they come straight to us and say, this right. is what I need. I have this much of a budget. Can you give us a website? And a lot of times people don't realize that when you go through website builders, you don't own it. You're just licensing their software. If you, you're only limited by what they allow you to do, mm -hmm. customizations, not so much, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I say it's a good step. So that is the biggest change. Um, now they have these hybrid tools. WordPress is becoming very popular. And it's a good go-between that developers like myself can still code and customize it. But people who want to do some basic maintenance, they can still do some little, you know, change the text, change the gotcha. image. Mm -hmm. And so it's a good, it's a good like hybrid gotcha. approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the biggest change. So and do you do mobile apps? <laughs> That's ah. the mobile apps. That that oh my goodness. That changed how we built websites because now oh, really? we have to build for a desktop and we gotta make sure it looks good on mobile devices. Ah. So once smartphones came into play, that just was like, oh my goodness. It's all, at first it was you had to build two separate websites. But now with these different tools it will adjust. Um, you can make them responsive, mobile responsive. Um, WordPress has some good tools to make things work mobile responsive. So it saves us time from building two websites or two sets of code that if you see this is a desktop, the website needs to look like this. If you see it's this phone or some other device or a tablet, it needs to look like that. So some of these tools are now saving us time. Mobile app development, I thought about going into it, but I said no, because it changes so fast. Every time you have a new operating system on these phones, 
you have to adjust that code. Uh -huh. And so now they're coming up with hybrid tools for mobile apps. So I may rethink it because mm -hmm. these tools, if you know how to build a website, it'll convert the code to the native code for these mobile apps and it will keep up with the changes in the operating system. So we may revisit that now that these hybrid tools for mobile apps are being developed. Okay. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Okay. Have you had um, other models in your family for entrepreneurship or are you the first entrepreneur in your family? The first, um, I remember there's a cousin on my father's, I had a, a store, you know, the neighborhood store, shine store, you know, <laughs> so, you know, every black neighborhood has that convenience store. Right. So I do remember going there as a child. Um, we're talking with my grand aunt, my great grandfather was an entrepreneur. So there were some other people who were business owners in, in, in our family. Okay. Um, so I, I did have a few examples. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, have you ever um, thought about closing your business and what has kept you to stay the course the most? <laughs> <laughs> well, doing those lean times, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, being in tech, it's like, you know what? I can make this much money because yeah, I have experience. I can just put out an application and just make 75, 85, you know, right, and be right. done. So when business got slow, mm -hmm. I did think about, you know, putting out, you know, putting my resume out there. Mm -hmm. um, but I had to think about, okay, if I did this, how would that change my life? Mm -hmm. um, what would that do with what I've built so far and the time that it would take for my daughter? Mm -hmm. So those reality checks, I was like, okay, let me just buckle down and, you know, work smart and work harder. So I just had to figure out, I said, something I need to do different. You know, I can't keep doing this because it's not working. Maybe I have to try it this way or market myself differently this way. Start going to more um, conferences and chamber of commerce events. Um, so I, I had to try different things to see what works. Um, collaborations that I think that helped boost the business when you're working with another business who have clients that need your service and your clients mm -hmm. need their service. Mm -hmm. So the collaborations were very helpful. Um, I've on various occasions um, collaborated with people who are in marketing or grant writing um, who also would teach um, grant writing. It's just like, oh, my client, the community college says they also need someone to teach basic HTML if you come under as a subcontractor, then my business could add that to their list. And so that ah. brought in extra money because they were teaching grant writing and business development writing, but they didn't know anything about HTML. But under their business, I was teaching those basic courses at the community college, you mm. know, a couple hours, a couple times a week. And mm -hmm. that helped bring in some extra money. So I had to be creative right, in the beginning. Right. <laughs> um, if I wanted to not have eight to five anymore. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I, I had to be very creative. And so those collaborations, they still work today. They still okay. work today. Yeah. Good. So mm -hmm. do you do a lot of networking today? And if so, what, what would you say are your major networking events? Well, now that we're, I would say prior to COVID and now that we're coming out of <laughs> um, the conferences, um, I would say participating in and speaking at some conferences. Um, that one client I told you about, one of my first big clients, the John G. Riley House Museum, that opened doors to clients that I have even projects today, over 20 Ooh. years. So through them, the founder, Ms. Altamese Barnes, Mrs. Altamese Barnes, she started a network called the Florida African American Heritage Preservation Network, which is a network of about 40 or so African-American museums and historic sites in the state of Florida. Okay, wow. After she did that, they have a biannual conference. She's like, you know what? Some of our members need your services. And unfortunately, 
people who um, they brought in some other tech people, but they would talk over their head. Um, they may not be of our community. And so they didn't have the additional vested interest right. in the mission of historic preservation. So when I came on board, she's like, hey, maybe you can speak at our conference about technology and this and that. And luckily, I'm not a shy person, as you can see. I can talk right. to them. <laughs> uh, I come from a long line of ministers, my brother's a minister, my father. So the gift of gab is like, it's nothing natural to me, you know yeah so i was like yeah i could do that so i put together my powerpoint did that presentation and that got attention so it led to other presentations okay and it led to some of the network members needing help you know with their technology mm -hmm. then over the years it added it led to now the Association of African American Museums is now a client, which is the network for all of the museums in the United States and some in the Caribbean. Oh, wow. So they are not, and then so that led to me doing a presentation there uh -huh. at the Association of African American Museums. And so, and we're preparing to do, I'm doing one in August coming up for okay. July, July. So uh -huh. this will be my, this year, I've done maybe four or five presentations at the Association of African Americans, and that led to other clients right, and other right. projects. So that one Raleigh Museum, now I'm working with the association that connects wow. all of the African American museums and historic sites in the country. So wow. I'm, I'm very grateful for that connection. So mm -hmm. yeah, Amazing. so we're, we're yeah we're and that was your first it. that was your first. Um, Science? Yeah, my first real client. You know, <laughs> not to say my first real client, my first nonprofit organization client. Got you. Know. Oh, because um, okay. my first client, I believe, was the Beds and More Furniture. You know, uh -huh. so that was my first business client, and this was uh -huh. my first museum or nonprofit organization, which led to others. So, the Association of African American. I mean, we're rebuilding their website again. You know, okay. so that will be launching soon. And that actually led to like the Caribbean Studies Association, which is an international organization. So that one museum led to right. all these other associations. Um, and like I said, I'm what I said, uh, sometime I'm a, a part time historian because I love learning about our culture and our history. So to represent those two organizations, Caribbean Studies and Association, I mean, I'm just wow. like a can so I get to learn. <laughs> While right. I'm doing their websites, I can learn all these things. And right. so, so they both have conferences. I presented to them both. Um, and I've been to the Black Enterprise Conference. I've been, you know, Black Tech Week a few times. So networking through those conferences are very helpful because you get to meet with like-minded people or you meet with people who may need your services. Okay. Um, and one thing that's important that Andrew taught that when you do exchange business cards or contact, follow up with them and say, hey, you know, remember me? You know, we met at so-and-so conference. And usually I'm saying I'm the one who wore the African clothes because that's how I roll all the time. <laughs> so um, I'm the tech, I'm the tech woman with the African clothes, you know. And we'll we'll keep in touch. And I'll say, can I add you to my mailing list? You know, because every now and then I'll send out information about technology or give a shout out to a client or you know, things of that nature. Um so they may not need my service now, but mm. if if I keep in contact with them eventually, they may say, "Oh yeah, I remember you did that. Let me let me uh, talk to you. Can you submit a proposal? Or you know, we need oh. this service." So follow up is essential when you're doing all this networking. Okay, yeah. sounds wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Okay, if you could change one thing about your business, what would that one thing be? <laughs> like a change i don't know that's i mean you could you can always use more money okay. <laughs> you know? um uh, i would say i don't know i mean an extra computer screen you know an extra okay. computer. <laughs> i mean i i i mean i even though i've had some challenging times um, I would say it's been rewarding because it afforded me to do a lot of things that I would not have been able to do. The most important thing is just family time. Um, family time, being able to take off and travel. Um, if I 
stayed in corporate, I would not have been able to go to just to travel. Right. You know, I've been to a few countries, you know, been to the Caribbean. Um, one of my clients um, was the, uh, we like acronyms, SAFON, the Southeastern African-American Farmers Organic Network. That mm -hmm. one was referred by Mrs. Barnes from the mm -hmm. Raleigh Museum because she knew someone who had this farm, the organic farmers network for African-American farmers. They had a conference in Italy, the Slow Food Conference, the international oh, wow. um, organization about heirloom varieties, sustainable living, sustainable farming. I got a chance to go to Italy because I was their tech person and they needed some representation. You know? Wow. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know and so i've been able to you know through the organ and through the caribbean studies i've been able to go to the bahamas i've been able to go you know and maybe able to go to saint croix this year so we have these connections sometimes the organization will bring you in and some of these trips i didn't have to pay for <laughs> you oh, know wonderful. Uh -huh. because i either was presenting on their behalf or doing something on their behalf that warranted okay we need to pay your way to get you okay. here uh -huh. um so those opportunities you can't put a price on because mm. the experience to see another country experience another culture i mean you, you can't put a price tag on that right. so I don't know if I would change anything. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, it's it's. Okay. I'm just going with the flow. Yeah, that's I'm good. To, I'm, I'm grateful. I don't want to sound right. ungrateful. I'm just like you know. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. So, where do you see? Uh, well, first, I like to ask when you um, talk about going to different trade shows and networking events. Do you have a budget line in your business for? Um, those type of events, or do you just plan for them as they come up? Um, I would say yes and no. I always try to keep some to the side. The one conference I do try to make, whether they pay for me or not, um, is the Association for African American Museums, um, because there are literally hundreds of people from all over the country that come to this event um with their recent uh this this organization is over 40 years old oh. and so they now have a paid executive director Adette Coleman Robinson and she has taken the organization to I mean over a thousand members I mean it's just amazing what they've done the conferences are wonderful because it's like uh -huh. the epitome of black excellence uh -huh. you know and the workshops and the networking is just phenomenal so whether I'm presenting there or not I try to be there you know, uh -huh. um, gotcha. because of COVID, you know, they had two virtual ones. I was still there online, gotcha. <laughs> you know, um, so that one I try to make. <clears throat> um, as far as the others, um, like the FOPIN, the Florida African American Heritage Preservation Conference, that's biannual. Usually they pay to bring me in because they always want me to, you know, do a technology update or a technology workshop. Okay. Um, so they usually cover that travel expense. If I go to, if I go to Black Enterprise, I have to plan that because they're expensive. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, so yeah, but um, I mean, I have a little, you know, cushion for that. But there are some that I know that oh, I'm definitely going to go every gotcha. year, and then there's some that's a maybe, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, so okay, yeah. wonderful. So where do you see your business five years from now? Um, five years from now, I still see myself in business. Um, maybe bring on another one or two um, team members. Um, I would like to grow it a little bit more mm -hmm. to where I keep my team members a little bit more busy. Because um, mm -hmm. there are some projects that are small that I can just manage myself. But then the larger projects, I'll bring on one or two others you know there's two others that are there okay and my daughter she helps me with some administrative stuff as well you know bookkeeping and some other things um so she i guess she's considered the third member <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know she she doesn't do techie stuff but she she helps with administrative stuff um and then when we did play in social media marketing she handled that she learned how to use hootsuite and 
but I was like, we're starting to spread ourselves a little bit too thin. So I kind okay. of pulled back from social uh -huh. media marketing because it was going in a direction where the tools were changing, the platforms were changing, the rules were changing. So it was, it was a lot. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So totally. you, you see yourself um, wanting to add um, more people and expand a little. Yeah. Yeah. Just a couple. And I would say if there is, you know, maybe get back into app development, maybe pull that in as another service because that's clearly not going anywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Because another, a new one pops up every week almost. Oh, yes. Oh, know? yes. Yes, it does. It does. Is there any uh, minority woman business owner that you look up to? Hmm. I won't say there's one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I see a few of them when I look at Black Enterprises. I used to subscribe to them and now they're going online. Yeah. Um, I would say the two that stand out that I'm impressed with their story, I would say, is Kathy Hughes of mm -hmm. Act One. Um, I think that's a Radio One and all that. Because yeah. the story of her father being in the radio business, and then he built this company, and then she took over. So as far as the family-run business, I'm impressed okay. with her story. Okay. Um, I really am impressed with with Kathy Hughes, her story. Okay. Yeah, because okay. she's creating a legacy business, and I hope that she'll be able to take it um, to another generation. Gotcha. Oh, pardon okay. me, my battery is running low. Let me plug in real okay. quick. Okay. <laughs> thought I had it plugged in, and I. <laughs> Okay, there we okay. go. Okay. <laughs> so so yes. if this is we're um gonna be wrapping up now in about a minute or so. So mm -hmm. is there anything that you would like to add that we didn't discuss already that you would like to um just share with our listeners? Um, I think the most important thing is balance. That's one thing that I've learned. Um because when I first started, you know, cell phones were just getting there. Call ID was not a thing. It's uh -huh. <laughs> dating myself. And I used to use my home phone number as my business number. Mm -hmm. And this is before the whole virtual follow me, all of that. And I was motivated to get a separate number for my home phone because I hate to say it, male clients were calling me late at night, supposedly wanting to talk about websites. <laughs> so... I, you know, if you don't have call ID, you can't see who's calling you. And it's nine o'clock. Oh, yeah, I didn't know you were going to be, you know, I wanted to talk about it. I said, mm -mm. <laughs> so the next day I said, I'm just going to have to put this as a line item in my budget. And I got a cell phone that's only for business. Yes. You know, that person, <laughs> when they called again, I said, can you please call this number? This is my business number. Mm -hmm. my, you know, so I had to have a separation. Got you. Um, got you. But not only that. I, and I still do this to this day, that phone gets cut off at six o'clock for the most part. Mm. And on the weekends, mm -mm, that's my family time in the evening because I can't just be plugged in all day. I do not have my email go to my phone. That is on purpose. Okay. Uh, because it's a distraction. You know, right. I'm on this machine all day, checking email, doing projects, blah, blah, blah. I want to be able to unplug. And that's because I'm in a techie business. If I wasn't in a techie business, I wouldn't be that strict with having these cutoff times for the technology. Uh -huh. But it helps keep me balanced. Right. And I'm able to do what I need to do at home spend some time with my family, do things for myself, right, you know, right. go to my African dance class, go to my yoga right, class, do some right. tai chi, you know? So mm -hmm. I say balance is very important because if I'm all wound up and stressed out, I really can't function effectively as a business person, as a wife, as a mother, as just me. Right. So some people say, oh, I can't turn my phone off. I say, yeah, you can, there's an off button. <laughs> You push it in exactly. <laughs> and it turns off. Right. <laughs> and then they can leave a voice message. 
but that's only because I have a house phone and, you know, family and friends have my house phone. They know to call me their phone. Mm -hmm. I try to keep that, even though my family has my cell phone number, but I try my best only give that out for business. And that's the only way they can reach me. And you got to look at the phone as a physical business. Like when the store says I'm closed at six, do you get into the store? No, you got to come back when the business (laughs) is open. You're right. You know? (laughs) So if anything, I would say balance. Balance is very important um, because, you know, oh, you're missing an opportunity. It'll be there in the morning. I'm not going to get stressed out, (laughs) you know? And I mean, mean, it's not perfect because there are times when I have deadlines and it may require a few extra hours. Uh I may turn the phone off, but I'm still working, you know, Uh and, you know, on the machine and they may be able to reach me through email but even with email I don't respond after a certain time because then you think mm-hmm. you can just right you know, <laughs> so I'll, I'll respond even if I see it coming through and I'm working at nine I won't respond until the morning you know mm-hmm. so I had to train my clients to right. you know as far right. as when there's it's like yeah I know you don't work on weekends you correct I don't uh-huh. right. <laughs> you know? so sometimes like are you say that as a compliment or you you hate <laughs> so, you know? <laughs> so, okay so, so I like that so it sounds like you're you you set very healthy boundaries and you, so you're sharing with us it's important to set those boundaries even though you're an entrepreneur working for yourself Mm-hmm. you'll deserve your self time oh yeah yeah and deserve, I, you know even though you're not clocking in and clocking out for someone mm-hmm. else yeah you're working for yourself but you still need to set those boundaries you have to and it's important and it's it's kind of funny that what's the woman who uh ariana huffington for huffington post uh-huh. she wrote a book or did an interview i think i heard her on npr she was saying the same thing and I was like, I've been saying that she's talking about how she doesn't get on social media or she doesn't do email and she turns her phone off and she takes time to for self. And I'm like, yeah, even she gets it, <laughs> you know, right, so right. I'm not the only one that thinks that and she's running Huffington Post, you know, right, right. So it was, you know, that there are other women who realize more today than more than ever. I say that right. balance is so important, right. You know? Because, yeah, yeah, and one of the things I think that we deal with um, today as uh, women entrepreneurs is that um, there's a lot out there focused on what it's called grind culture. Mm-hmm. Like working all, if you're not working all the time super hard, or you're not mm-hmm. dead tired when you go to bed at night, you're not really mm-hmm. trying to build something. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and, and I hear that you think and feel too counter to that. That if you're on yeah. empty, you you have nothing to give. No, because you grind yourself into the ground or into exactly. a hospital bed. <laughs> right. You know? So then what's the purpose? Yeah. You know, exactly. You can do you can do more quantitatively when mm-hmm. you're in a better state, when you're full, when you're resting, when your mind is at its best. Yes. So yeah, wonderful. exactly. Wonderful. So I have a couple of questions that I ask. Um all of my guests that I'm going to run through five of them with you. And they're just personal mm-hmm. or fun questions for you okay. to answer. So the first one is, what's your favorite pastime? African dance. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. African dance. Yeah. And what do you do um, when you need to take care of yourself? Well, other than go to African dance class, <laughs> um, I started going back to yoga class recently um go out into nature you know wow. go walk in the park get some sunlight a little vitamin d you know commune yeah. with the trees <laughs> you know yes. of course you know family time um as a family my husband and my daughter and i sometimes we do you know we do tai chi together that helps keep us balanced and centered because my husband he's been a martial artist for like decades you know uh-huh. so he's teaching us tai chi um and sometimes i just like to sit back and watch star trek that's one of my favorite shows of all time uh, mine too, mine too. <laughs> you know? so i just sit back watch star trek and relax yeah. but you know i oh i make i make time for me, wonderful you know beautiful yeah. i love that <laughs> yeah. 
The third one, what is your favorite vacation spot? Oh, my. Oh, no. Oh. Hmm. I've been to a few places, but I would say the two places that really stand out that I will go back to, one is the Bahamas uh -huh. and not the cruise ship Bahamas. I'm talking about the real Bahamas. All right. <laughs> you know, go into the, you know, into the island with, to see how the people live. And the main reason is because there's a connection between where I was born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina and the Bahamas. Okay. There's a link there. There's a heavy influence on the architecture and the culture of the city. Because of course, you know, we came from the continent. That was one of the places that they stopped. And then, and there's a museum that I did not get a chance to go to there that connects the, a museum in the Bahamas that connects Charleston to the Bahamas. Okay. So when I was there, actually at the Caribbean Studies Association conference, I didn't get to go to everything I wanted to do. Um, and that was actually my second time to the Bahamas. So I need to go back there. Okay. And it was it was wonderful. And when I was uh -huh. there, it's like, you know, you look like somebody that I know. So I, uh -huh. I was like, okay, yes, we have family here. Uh -huh. I want to go back there and definitely go back to Ghana, um, West Africa. Been there once. Um, we took our daughter there to complete her rites of passage, her female, okay. you know, the daily rites of passage. And to go back there um, because you know, when you're in a country where everyone, there, there's certain stresses you don't have to worry about mm -hmm. when you're in a country that where most of the people look like you. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about going in stores and people following me around. I didn't mm -hmm. have to worry about if I'm going here, if it's a police, what are they following? Are they following? It was, there was a certain relief mm. because unfortunately in this society, there's institutionalized racism that exists on many different levels and microaggressions. Mm -hmm. Right. These microaggressions sometimes can be just as hard on a person's psyche as the blatant racism. Mm -hmm. Because you know it's bothering you, but they may not know consciously or subconsciously, like that wasn't right what you just did or said. Mm -hmm. And that weighs on the spirit a little bit. And how do you educate people on you know what maybe you shouldn't blah 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 and people right. are oh, you being sensitive or it's like no am i really you know right so there was a certain relief and stress that i didn't mm. have to worry about the friendliness of the people uh -huh. um i'm used to a culture where you speak to people there's respect for elders the youth knew their place uh-huh the youth they were so vigorous and eager to learn. The education was important. So those two places, and I want to go to other places on the continent of Africa, but mm -hmm. those two places primarily, definitely going back to that left an impact on me. And okay. I would I would be remiss if I didn't say Trinidad and Tobago because my husband's from Trinidad and Tobago. I really enjoy <laughs> I enjoy going there as well. So I want to go back, you know. Okay. All those are nice places. <laughs> All right. What would you say is your latest or your favorite book? If you had to share a book with our listeners, what would it be? Um, it wasn't my latest book, but I enjoyed reading it. It's uh, Maggie Anderson's Our Black Year. Mm -hmm. That one was really good because she emphasized and still to this day focused on supporting and uplifting Black-owned businesses. And the experiment that she did with her family. And in, since she lived in the Chicago area, it was kind of easier to only support Black-owned business for a year. And I actually, when she came to Miami, I got to see her speak in person. She was speaking at, I believe, Florida Memorial University. Okay. And I got to see her in person, get my book signed and everything. Okay. And um, that is a good book. But a book that I'm rereading now is called Power of the Subconscious Mind. Okay. Um, that one I think is important because the way that you think does affect your reality. It does affect how you move, how you operate. And sometimes you may have to look at something from a different perspective to really see it for what it is. You may look at it in one perspective and it looks negative, but then you say, well, if I turn it around, it's not mm -hmm. as bad as I thought, you know? Mm -hmm. And having a more positive outlook attracts more positive things towards you. So I'm 
me reading that because I have to remind myself of certain things. Because um, a lot of times in this culture, they they feed a lot of news and things that are negative. Mm -hmm. We're fed a constant dose of violence. Yes, yes. Things are over-sexualized. Mm -hmm. You're hearing about somebody got shot, this, this, that. I said, where's the good news? Right, because <laughs> you know? it's so happening. <laughs> yeah, there's good news happening. So we have a tendency to focus on the more negative and dramatic things that are going on in our community, society, and not uplifting. So that affects the mind and the psyche a lot. So that and then having a strong spiritual foundation that is so important. Um, so yeah, I'm rereading that book now, uh, Power of the Subconscious Mind. Power of the Subconscious Mind, wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and our final question, what is your favorite meal? Oh, I love Ethiopian food. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some teff injera and some gumen wat and some alecho. That's like they collard greens and they have this cabbage dish with carrots. And, Oh, Ethiopian food, by far my favorite cuisine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. So thanks again for sharing all you share with us. I'm sure our listeners have gotten some very, very good gems from you. It was wonderful speaking with you. And I hope we can come back and do this again sometime. Oh, definitely. Thank you for the invitation and the opportunity. This was this was nice. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Wonderful. So enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, you too. Have a great one. All right, you too. All right. Bye-bye.